and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Hello, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we are back with we part back two. For this, episode our 100th episode. Drum roll. I don't know if that's... that's yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> I'm doing a real bad job of... <laughs> Drum rolling. It's fine. That's I mean, fine. We that we've had a hundred episodes of doing a pretty uh like mediocre sound quality <laughs> podcast. Yep. yep. So why change now? Yeah, that's entirely fair. Um, if you've stuck with us this long, thank you. We appreciate it. We are excited to have been doing this for like five-ish years now. Yeah. It's and uh you know, it's been it's been a hell of a time, but I we've played a lot of cool games. We have a lot of good memories. We're gonna rank some more of them um, because we can. But yeah, it's yeah. been uh, we're we're excited to have to have episode one hundred in the can. Yep, low energy episode one hundred. I think we're <laughs> I think we're all just tired. Well, or it's been today. Yeah, it's been an exhausting few weeks. Yeah. Um, as as we mentioned last time, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time dwelling on uh, the sort of real world chaos that's uh, that's going on because this should be a lighthearted, happy, fun video games podcast um, where you can come to to like escape from stuff. But that said. If you want to support racial justice, and you should, um, you can get right now, and probably for a little while after this goes up, um, oh, for like one more day and a bit, actually. Oh, so, I, didn't even, I didn't even see there was a timer on it. Crap. Yeah, for not well. for not too much longer. If you if you're listening to this like right, you know, within a day of its release, you can still get the bundle for racial justice and equality from itch.io. Um, which has like 1,600 items uh, in it. It's about $9,000 worth of games. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get it for pay what you want. It's like minimum donation, $5. You get all of these games. It's an insane amount of games. Some of them are like incredibly like high quality indie darling stuff. Some stuff we've played on this podcast and loved. Um, mm -hmm. A short hike is on there. Night in the Woods is on there. There's, Celeste. there's, yeah, there's Celeste is there, there. Yeah. Uh, as well as some little ones. Uh, my work, I gotta say, I gotta do short plugs. A game I worked on is on there uh, in the form of Walden, a game. Which, granted, like I don't even know if I'm in the credits on Walden <laughs> at this point because it's been like that was a game that was in production for like. I don't know, seven to 10 years in an academic setting. So like every two to three years, like different people would be that like, it would be an entirely different group of people on it because it's all like student work. And the uh, only the like main lead director type person was pretty much the constant. Um, although I think the artist may have stuck around uh, as well. Yeah. But yeah, so I did, I did some work on that game. I did a bunch of animal research uh, as well as like deep dive into like picking out quotes from the book that should be used for s certain special moments. So Walden, a game is in the itch.io bundle. 
Nice. And uh, and yeah, it's a it's a good cause. I believe it goes to the NAACP and the Bail Fund. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, and it, NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and Community Bail Fund, 50-50 split. Um, so these are two important organizations in the U.S. Uh, for for racial equality, and you should support them, and also get like more games than you will ever need <laughs> in yeah, the process. Like games and asset packs and like tabletop rule books. Uh, I I think I even saw like a couple of short like novels in here further on down. Um, what else? Game Dev Cheat Sheets 2018 edition. Uh, just a whole lot of stuff in here. Yeah. And like, you know, spoilers, uh, we're probably going to be playing a number of games from this bundle on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so if you, you know, if you want to play along with us, this is a good thing to get. And again, minimum price is $5. Like you would, you would spend easily five times that on a Steam summer sale. And now you can do that and get like sixteen hundred games. So, actually, spoiler: our our next game will be from this bundle. Yes, um, but we'll get to that later. Yep. Yeah. Um, the The world is falling apart, so let's just do what we can to try to make it a little better. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's. All we have to say on that for now, because we are there are there are more important voices that you should be listening to on that subject that are yep. not us. <laughs> yep. Um, meanwhile, we've just been here uh, talking about games, thinking about games, uh, not playing a game for the past two weeks. Because uh, if you are following the podcast, you know this is part two of our best of first one hundred episodes. Uh, special yeah where we're arbitrarily ranking games that we liked um mostly, through a scale <laughs> yeah mostly just as an excuse to reminisce yep so there's that yeah through a scale of we um we nominated as like together by by consensus we nominated up to 10 games in each category uh, and then we each got to vote with a three-point score, a one, a two-point score, and a one-point score. Uh, and then we totaled up the scores to get our uh, our top choices. So last time we had a bunch of sort of uh, more esoteric categories. This time we're going to do um, some fairly typical categories like best of each genre, um, our favorite uh, art, music, and story. Uh, and then our personal top 10 lists, which were somewhat contentious, which is surprising because literally the only person you're contending with is yourself. Yeah. And yet. Top 10 with a big old asterisk blocked <laughs> on there at the end. Yep. Yeah. All right. Do we have any like stuff we want to talk about from the past couple weeks before uh, that? No, nothing has happened to me. In I've particular, been, I've so. been binge binge listening a new podcast, um, which is the Magnus Archives, which is Ooh. a horror podcast. They're in their final season now. I we finally to, caught up. I need to add that to my. Is that on? Where is that at? This is. It's in all the podcast spots. Okay. I've I'll, been listening I'll... to it mostly on Spotify, but okay, good. Um, <clears throat> so I um, 
I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm at work, when I'm actually physically going into the office at work, which means that uh, I have spent the past two months that I've been working from home not listening to podcasts so that <laughs> yep. I can build up because when I'm at home, I can just put on YouTube videos or like mm. TV shows and not get yelled at. But I can't do that when I go back to the office. So yep. I'm really not looking forward to that. But uh, yep. so this <laughs> one's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's a it's a horror anthology, but it does have a uh, like a through line arc plot, which is mostly what I'm there for. Nice. Um, they're in their last season. They like had a five season plan and they're in season five now. Nice. And I think they're on episode, like, they just released 170 out of the 200 total that there are going to be. So, you know, might as well get started. Like, we binged the whole thing in, like, a, a few weeks. Like, I think it was, like, maybe three weeks uh, at most that we, maybe four, that we, like, listened to the entire, like, 170 episodes. Nice. So... Yeah, you know. that's definitely going on my list then. Yeah, you would probably yeah. like it. I'm not normally a horror person, and some of it gets a little bit much sometimes. But um, I'm I'm here for the arc plot, and it's yeah, that's it's fair. working out. I like horror, and I especially I actually especially do like like anthology horror. Um, mm -hmm. Not as frequently done as I wish it was. Like I was really hoping that Stranger Things would end up being an anthology series, and then it just wasn't. <laughs> uh, and then every season just got worse, I think. Aww. From from what I've heard, I didn't even watch the most recent one, but uh, I heard a lot of things that said it was not very good. So that's yeah. That's okay. I, you gotta appreciate you gotta appreciate any media that has the um, that has the leeway to say up front like this you know sequence this series is gonna be this long and then we're done we have a story planned out for this much and then we're not doing it again yeah actually yeah. recently um everett and i were watching uh a tv series called baskets so it's it's from a few years back and they basically they just made four seasons and that was it um but it's a story about um it's like a kind of a comedy series but it's very bleak but it stars like Zach Galifianakis as twin brothers and uh, <laughs> Louis Anderson as their mother. So Louis Anderson and drag Louis Anderson actually won an Emmy for it. Um, and he's, <laughs> he's great in it. Like, like both of us are, are really big fans of Louis Anderson. If you have ever like watched his standup, he doesn't really tell jokes. He just tells really good stories about his childhood, which I think he had like eight siblings um and how just weird his family life was uh recommend that baskets was pretty good i don't know we watched the whole series four seasons in like uh, a few weeks but that's what we have been up to i don't know if i recognize this actor i just looked him up i don't zach know him is, is he's been in a lot well, of zach, like, zach galifianakis no. i know but louis yeah. anderson i don't know if i know louis anderson used to his family feud for like ever okay um, so that's and he was like a, a comedy guy mostly but like old guard and now he i don't know what he has done besides uh cross dress for baskets but <laughs> but yeah it's 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 a pretty good show so all right well shall we talk about some games yes um, yes 
yeah, apologies to our audience if we are not as high energy uh, as we could be on this recording. But uh, you know what? You come here for for chill talk, and this is going to be chill talk. Yeah. Um, sometimes it just be like that. Yep. All right. So we are going to start with like best in genre. So we did best in genre in terms of like mechanics. Um, obviously, game mechanic genres is a very like wobbly concept where there are not like clearly defined genres necessarily. And, you know, we didn't necessarily do like every game genre, just ones that we, I guess, had opinions about. Um, and some of them had more than others. Like, one of these is best strategy games, and we only had, like, six contenders. <laughs> so, we listen, we did our best. If you take issue with, uh, you know, what we consider to belong in a certain genre, um, or, you know, what, what games we nominated in those genres, um, take it up with us on our Discord. We'll yeah. we'll hash it out with you. Why not? Yeah, I mean we were using the good old strategy of like just writing shit down. Basically, yep. yeah. Uh, yeah. Every time we played a game, we we're like, oh, what what do we think this belongs in? <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So how did we do this last time? We just read the the top three, and then we talk about any other games that were also nominated. Uh, I think we. Yeah. I think we talked about the top three and then just listed the rest of them yeah yeah i think that's so right that, that works all right so starting with best action mechanics um so i i would include we don't have a separate um best like platformers i don't know if we played much that could be considered a platformer i think at least one of these you could make an argument for um but I, I would consider platformers to be part of action. This is like games that, you know, require you to have reaction time and good timing and uh, and other such skills. Yeah, you wrote down execution dependent. Yeah, execution dependent. Pretty good. Yeah, so, like, so games where, sort of... like, you can be good or bad at them in terms of, like, how well you manage to execute... Um, okay, so number one in best action mechanics was Creature in the Well. Because Yay. both me and Kelso voted in our top slots. Because the two of us were, if you'll recall from that episode, like very impressed with how much we liked this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, it might not be for everybody. I definitely saw... Um, like comments on the on like the steam page that's like ah oh, it's just so hard to get into this mechanic and i you know like i didn't like it at all and so you know if you don't like it you don't like it but if you if it clicks for you it's just like real smooth and real tightly designed yeah and not a mechanic that like it it's one thing to take a a novel idea and build a, a mechanic like around it and to build a game around it. It's another thing to do it in a way that actually works and is really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I would say the creature in the well definitely did that. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to try and like make up a new action mechanic. Um, mm -hmm. 
And like, this is like, it's not exactly pinball, um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's you, you've got an energy ball, you're throwing it around the place, you're catching it, you're aiming it at things. Um, you feel really badass when you do it well. Uh, and they managed to do like a variety of different interesting challenges uh, along the same, like with the same mechanic, right? They, they each, mm-hmm. each area, each level in that game has like a very slight variation in a way that you don't have to like learn any new controls or any new like really logic, but you have like a new set of like sub skills that you have to master, which is like a really like cool thing. It's a, it's a tough thing to do to get, to get a lot of sort of little gradients out of one big mechanic. So hats off to creature in the well. Good job. Did it. Uh, second place. <laughs> Doom. The, the Doom 2016 remake. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could have easily put a point into this as well. It's a, it's a well-designed game, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's almost, it almost feels like cheating for Doom to even be on this list because it's like a giant AAA game. Yeah. And, yeah. and not only is it a giant AAA game, but there is a reason why for so long, uh, all first-person shooters were just referred to as Doom clones. Like, yeah. Well, it, uh, but I mean, not that the 2016 remake yeah, has no. that much in common with the original mechanics. But yeah, but you know, it's it's definitely a series that knows what it's doing and knows what its strengths are. Yeah, um, and you know, it's it does feel a little bit like cheating to put a big AAA game on this list with all, which is mostly otherwise in not entirely like indies, but pretty, pretty, pretty largely indies. Um, but you can be a triple A game and still like fuck up your mechanics. <laughs> like it's entirely yes. possible to take like shooter mechanics and make something that's not that fun or not that interesting. And doom is like just really polished in terms of yeah. like the exact flow of like what they want you to get into and like where the the spikes of like uh, you know interest are and the moments of intense uh intense action and little lulls and it's just like very well paced very finely tuned this is like you know the the high end sports car of of action games basically yeah yeah, I, I was watching the PC gaming show, and I think it's, like, fun to see now how many, like, how many, like, spin-off, like, indie spin-offs that come from Doom 2016 <laughs> just shows up now. Yeah, yeah. the original Doom inspired a lot of uh, early first-person shooters, and modern Doom is still inspiring game designers with its, you know, tight flow and uh, and... And just like real engaging combat, yeah. and it's like it, Doom is like the last. It's like almost the polar opposite from the sort of game that I like. Like the you know the the sort of theming is not my thing. The mechanics are not really my thing. Like the visuals are not really my thing necessarily. And yet I still had a good time with it. Like I still like played it and went like oh. 
Dang, this is really well crafted, though. <laughs> yeah. So well, you know, it is. What also, it is. it's it's funny to me that um, now there is this huge resurgence in like retro style air quotes retro because it wasn't that long ago, but like retro style FPS games. Mm -hmm. um, or my boyfriend calls them boomer shooters. <laughs> Which I guess is a thing. I guess other people call them that too. I don't... That I mean, I. it makes enough sense. If you say boomer shooter to me now, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. So. No, that's a, good, that's a good name because yeah. also it has boom in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. So second place goes to Doom. Third place in action games that we played. This is a really varied list, actually. Yeah. Third place in action games that we played goes to Grow Home, the little drunken robot game. Yep. Which, you know, is just kind of chill and soothing. Uh, and, you know, you know, what's not on this list, but uh, but I feel like is in the exact kind of same niche mm -hmm. is um, a short hike. Yeah. They both have this kind of like hey, here's, like, a challenge for you to do, but it's it's not, like, it's not going to be crazy hard, and if you keep going at it, you'll you'll just, you'll do fine. Don't worry about it. You'll keep getting better. Like, yeah. it's, it's like this sort of just, just nice, quietly encouraging, just, I don't know. Grow home was grow home was like very sweet. Like it, it made it. I think of it with like a very soft nostalgia, even though it wasn't that long since we played it. Yeah, uh, grow home does have like passive aggressive robot mom or passive aggressive spaceship <laughs> AI mom, That's but she true. wasn't that passive aggressive. But you um, have like um you have like passive aggressive aunt sort of in uh, short hike yeah. right where yeah, she's like you should really get outside. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of just sort of stopping to like enjoy the view that you have and the, mm -hmm. the like ability to sort of plant and grow things, uh, you know, lends it a sort of weird and unique feel that's like, that's not a, that kind of like grow your own platforming platforms is not a mechanic that we have seen a lot in the games we've played. Yeah. Also, hang gliding. Yes. Yeah. It's it's got it's got a lot of the same stuff as uh, as a short hike, but also more. Also, gardening yeah. as yeah. a as a central mechanic. So, what's yeah. not to love? Yeah, it's one of those games where there's not a lot to do, but at the same time, there is. <laughs> yeah and it's it's like it's short it's sweet it doesn't really overstay it's welcome um and you just you know you feel you relax while playing it yeah i don't know uh, maybe some people don't maybe some people are like crazy afraid of heights and feel anxious when climbing things but um i'm pretty afraid of heights and i was okay so yeah <clears throat> so grow home takes third place other games yes. nominated in this category uh include beyond good and evil which was like the like fourth game we played or something like that yeah. um aquaria freedom planet hyperlight drifter nuclear throne mages of mistralia and celeste 
And I mean, like, there's a good argument to be made for most of these. And mm -hmm. I, I probably, like, if we'd sit and reworked this list more, I probably would have tried to argue uh, a short hike onto it as well. Yeah. Um, but these are these are a lot of games with uh, with just fun action play. We should probably play, I don't know, some like some more high profile action games like Ori and the Blind Forest or something at some point. Yeah. Or some other triple A's <laughs> besides Doom. You know, yeah. Bioshock. Oh yeah. Yeah, we can Bioshock. try that one again. Yeah, I <clears throat> we did uh we did play that game. We don't we don't have it on uh, on the thing. Maybe we can play the Bioshock Infinite, and we'll see how that holds up. Um, and then we can talk about Bioshock as well. Oh boy, that's a whole that's a whole conversation for sure. Yeah, I mean the the problem with playing AAA games is that with that you know that high a, a cost in production, they feel the need to give you a lot of game for your money, and we try to play shorter games mostly. <laughs> So it's like, uh, I don't know if I can do 25 hours. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to best puzzle mechanics. Yes. Um, we did not super clearly define puzzle. Um, we, we played a very wide variety of puzzle games. Yeah. This is a very lump, lump a bunch of different things in sort of uh, category. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the list, and it's it is all over the place. But I guess, I mean, I they they're all definitely puzzle games for sure. So <laughs> yeah. Was, um, so the winner in this category, uh, one that we all actually vote for, is the sexy brutal. Yeah. Um, for time travel and mystery solving and being in the right place at the right time yeah it's funny because we put this in puzzle but our other like narrative trying to stop uh like we we played three like narrative time looping games and i think they ended up in three separate categories <laughs> in terms of genre yeah so this is the narrative time looping game that we considered uh a puzzle game um Let's see. I'm looking at the list. It looks like it looks like Outer Wilds and Elsinore are both in best narrative, but uh, we well, put... no, no, narrative is not narrative is not genre. Uh, the uh, oh, Elsinore, right. yeah, yeah right. Elsinore is nominated in Viznov, and uh, Outer Wilds <laughs> was nominated in other. Other, yeah, that makes yeah, that works. Um, um, but yes, so sexy brutal though is puzzle because it's a lot about you know, gathering information about a scenario and then coming up with a plan that you think will, you know, cause a certain sequence of events to play out in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and it is presented that way. The main difference between this and Elsinore is that in Elsinore, the main mechanic is talking to people. And in this, the main mechanic is like interacting with the setup of the world in an almost like Rube Gold Goldberg machine sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, where it's like, okay, you gotta, you know, make sure that this object is in the right place at the right time, and this door is locked, and this, you know, person sees this thing on this screen at the right time, 
Yeah, a lot of moving and, parts. Yeah, so it's um, if we ever play Ghost Trick, I feel like it has more in common with Ghost Trick than it does with a yeah. lot of the other uh, time loop games that we've played. I think like a main difference between Sexy Brutal and Elsinore is also like Sexy Brutal is has a clear solution. Yeah, it's like something you solve. Whereas Elsinore is like you can go either way. Yeah, mm -hmm. it has it has different outcomes, but it doesn't necessarily have like a right answer in the way that Sexy Brutal is. Listen, you, your goal is to stop this particular person from dying, and there is a way to do that, and you just have to figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, a lot harder to stumble onto the solution by accident, which I think is kind of the point of a puzzle game. Yeah. You have to figure it out and not just uh, dumb luck your way into it. And, you yeah. know, we had, uh, I think we, I can't remember if we had a consensus or if we had mixed feelings about uh, the ending. I think in retrospect, I have kind of mixed feelings about the ending of that game. It's cool, um, but it is a little bit, um, gosh, it's not even out of nowhere. It's just that it's like the a lot of the game up until that point seems a lot more grounded and then it just kind of floats away at the end. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really remember then. <laughs> so spoilers, by the way, for like all the games that we're going to mention here. Spoilers for the first hundred games we played. Um, the end was like, it turns out that this was all in the main character's mind, like processing his guilt over having accidentally killed the party guests. And so like... It turns out like there's a reveal of the people in masks at the end and everyone who was wearing a mask is you, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't like that. <laughs> but like, I also don't think like that's not the point of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm not really that. It has a bad ending. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The, like, the, point the main is the part is the puzzles. Yeah, the mechanics and the actual, like, bulk of the gameplay were fun. And it at least, like, at least it, it goes somewhere, right? It doesn't just get to the end and then, like, it's like, and you're done, the end. And because, like, it, it could easily also have been a letdown. And this is a little bit, like, shark jumpy, but mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I just remember the overwhelming sense that I had was, I have no idea what's going on through... The entirety of the game, basically. And maybe that's because I wasn't, like, paying enough attention to the personalities or what. But I, I had no idea what anything was going towards until the very end. And it all just kind of, like, snapped into place. And I was like, huh, all right, well. Yeah, I, I mean, the they, do, they do a little bit of foreshadowing with, like, fire and stuff. And there's, like, the weird blood lady um, so it, it's not like it comes entirely out of nowhere, but it is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, let's see. The right. next game is, uh, Else Heartbreak, which was the game where you basically learn how to code to solve all of your problems. You to, hack to, the world. To, mm -hmm. to sell sodas, if I remember correctly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have to sell sodas. And if you um, want to. yeah, you, you can. Mm -hmm. This, or you this can... is a game that I do not remember super clearly. 
Uh, you were like a soda salesman, and there was like some kind of um, like underground hacker rebellion against the fascist state or something like that? Question mark. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what that game was about? Basically, um, it's about like recoding like the functions of each object in the game. Yeah, where you can you can basically alter the properties of everything that you can interact with in the game. Um, and if you know what you're doing, which I didn't, but if you know what you're doing, you can basically um, alter like doors so that it just takes you to the end game immediately. <laughs> um, and that's that's the kind of thing I like to see from my open-ended code-based games where it's like, if you know what you're doing, you can just bypass everything. You are the elite hacker. Um, yeah. But otherwise, you have to sort of learn as you go. <laughs> yeah. So. If you want an elite hacker fantasy and or to learn how to code, uh, there you go. It's a coding game. Yeah. That's uh, also a little more grounded than the sexy brutal, I would say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I remember so little about this game. I only have like the vaguest recollection of like what the graphics even looked like. Else heart dot break. I'm going to like look at some pictures to try and jog my memory. It's blocky. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of kind of blocky. Blocky and colorful. I was going to say kind of neon looking. Um, okay. Yeah, this one was a while ago. This one was like several years ago. Did I finish sure. this? I can't remember if I finished this or not. I might not have finished this game. That might be I why I'm having trouble remembering it. Yeah, I don't think I didn't finish it and you didn't finish it. <laughs> Carl, did you finish it? I finished it. Okay, Carl finished it. Good job. <laughs> one of us has to. <laughs> but we still liked it enough to yep. put it on puzzle mechanics because that's what it is. It's yep. a puzzle game and it's it's a good one. It's a cool one. Yep. Um Yeah. And then we have see. we have a tie for third place. Yeah. So uh we established uh, last time our rules for tiebreakers are if there is a tiebreaker, then the one that has votes from more people is the winner. Yes. And this one goes to Baba is you. Because uh Baba is you was the, the cool new puzzle game of the year, I guess last yeah. year. And, uh, and none of us, none of us really even liked playing the game. But speaking of games, we didn't finish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Playing it, it was just like super hard and super long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't. I think that like, yeah, we didn't dislike the game. I think. I mean, I I can't speak for you, Kelso, but like, I I feel like we mostly like. We played it. We're like, oh, this is this is fun and interesting, and I feel clever when I get it right. But then at a certain point, it just it just gets hard, man. It's a hard yeah. puzzle game. I think I think my frustration from like the the later segments that I played is really coloring my memories here. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, it. It does what it sets out to do, which is make a sort of a new type of puzzle game, but it also does so in just the most brain-destroying way it can. <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think the reason that this scored so highly on our list 
uh, despite the fact that none of us finished it and all of us were a little frustrated, uh, is just in in sheer uniqueness mm-hmm. um, because it's it's just a weird and like fascinating thing to have tried to do at all, yeah. which is a game where the puzzle is rewriting the rules of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So like the puzzle mechanic in its own, I think it's like super brilliant. But yeah. then like, I'm not even going to say execution, but like the way it turned out, it became super hard. Yeah, this is a game for like super brain geniuses. And like, I guess we're not super brain geniuses and that's okay. Yeah, I'm fine with not being a super brain genius. I... And and it's still like it's still cool, and there are definitely still moments that I had in it where I was like, where like I could feel my thinking shifting into like a strange pattern, and that's a cool feeling mm-hmm. when like the 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 style and rules of the game like warp you into a whole different logic, but it in a way that you can sort of feel makes sense and i had that a little bit and i wish i'd had a more yeah i wish i'd had enough to finish the game you do like even if you don't actually solve the puzzle you do get like a a brief flicker of oh i'm i'm very smart when you feel when you realize that there is something new that you can do that you didn't previously realize was even an option yeah so you get those little small scale flickers uh, only to be dashed against the rocks <laughs> when when that doesn't quite take you to an actual solution. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm too dumb for Baba is you. Yeah. I, I will I will wear that badge proudly. Yep, same. <laughs> yeah. Um and like uh, the honorable mention tie for third place was uh with the lower third place. 3B, if you will, uh, was Goragoa, um, which is another game that, uh, you know, really did something weird and interesting and different with its mechanics mm-hmm. and is also pretty gorgeous to boot. Yeah. I actually finished that one, so. Yes. Good job. It's not yeah. as, well, I was going to say it's not as long, but I don't know how long Baba is you actually is if you, like, don't get stuck. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> None of us will ever know. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Other yeah, games. Gorgo oh, yeah. was like four four sliding tiles that um, you can like rearrange to to change how scenes connect to each other, and the the goal is to like connect scenes in surprisingly meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Which I... is, sounds weird as a description, but it totally works for the game. Yeah, it's another sort of trying to get you to create a kind of Rube Goldberg machine out of these tiles. Yep. Um, and it's another game that puts you in a very, like, different headspace where you're you're thinking less about logical space and more sort of about, like, visual similarity mm-hmm. in an interesting way. It's a very dreamlike game. Mm-hmm. I'm looking right. for patterns and things like that. Um, yeah, other games in this category are uh, The Swapper, uh, Mages of Mistralia, which Brothers. I guess we pushed. I guess we pushed put in two categories 
So yeah. it should probably I'm going to I'm going to officially even though it's after the fact, I'm going to officially replace the one in action mechanics with uh, a short hike. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. A short hike, you officially made that list. Congratulations. <laughs> um, let's see. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, Manifold Garden, Vessel, uh, and Zumbinis. Which, Zumbinis does not have, like, its own puzzle mechanic. It's just a bunch of, like, logic, classic logic puzzles. But, like, that counts. Yeah. Yeah. If, they uh... What's his face with the hat? Professor Layton uh, can be yeah. a, a puzzle game. Then this can be too. Yeah. Man, talk about games that make you feel dumb or smart <laughs> or dumb. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, um, I do love me some Zumbinis. Yeah. Zumbinis feels like one of those brain training games that you would get as like a free game that comes with like your DS or something. Yeah. Brain age. Yeah. I never played any of those. I don't think I got them for with my DS, but oh well. All right. So the next few categories are categories that uh, we didn't manage to entirely fill out with 10 games. That's fine. Um, Carl, do you want to do the honors of uh, best sim mechanics? Yeah, it's the best sim mechanics. And the winner for this category is Stardew Valley. Yay. Yay. Because <laughs> it's just, it's just chill and nice and it makes you feel good. Yeah. And there are sim, some sim games can get stressful where you like, you, you know, every, you're, you're, you're trying to manage a bunch of things at once and keep anything or keep from forgetting all the like, myriad different things that that you have to keep track of and not overlooking anything and um, suddenly there's winter and like 20 of your dudes die <laughs> yeah looking at you vanish <laughs> yep yeah. And, yeah. uh and and stardew valley like yeah you can fuck things up but you kind of always have a chance to bring it back like it's hard to fuck things up permanently in stardew valley yeah, I guess you could die, but then you just wake back up at your house, so that's yep. fine. And you could like you could let all your crops die and lose all your money and stuff, but I think if you do that, like someone gives you a s seeds as a gift, <laughs> so you can just keep playing. Yeah, you can um, completely alienate everybody in the town and ostracize yourself completely from the community. I don't know what happens if you do that, but there's probably something built in to fix it. Or make it not a death sentence. So, you know. Yeah, yeah and it's, you know, in, in addition to uh, the simulation, there are, like, some narrative elements to hang your hat on in the form of, like, getting to know the people in town and, like, they're, the whole subplot with, uh, what is it, Joja? The yeah. Joja company, like, trying to take over the small town and trying to save the small town and it's it's basically like the rural farming fantasy that everyone wishes like actual farming was actually like which it's not at all but no yeah yeah if, if you if you're actually running a farm you probably don't have a chance to go out and romance all 12 of the people that live in the town <laughs> uh it depends on the time of year i think but yeah, that's um true. that's true the uh, 
it's it also has like a enough of a variety of different things to do that you don't feel like you're getting burned out on doing like exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so hence Stardew Valley top slot. Yeah, um, second place, we got City Skyline. Yeah, the the game that's like, yeah, it's like another like almost AAA. Yeah, I don't know how big the budget was. This was the game that like Sim City wishes it was, um, because like there was a re-release of uh, a Sim City, and everyone hated it. And so they made someone made City Skylines instead, which was better. Yeah, and people are still buying City Skylines like, what, seven years later, six yeah. years later, something like I that. I still play it periodically. I yeah. like, especially. And so weirdly, like when I, whenever I go on a flight and I see like a town layout from above, it makes me want to play City Skylines. Or whenever I'm in a situation where there's like an odd traffic pattern and I go, oh, I wonder how that would work with managing traffic. Like, it makes me want to play City Skylines. Are they still making DLCs for that even? I think Let's they see. might be. I feel like when I sign into it, I always see like a ton of DLC. Oh, yeah, um, there's a DLC yeah. um, as early as March of this year, 2020. Yeah, so... You know they're still they're still working on it, yeah. And uh, I don't blame them. It still holds up. It's uh, it's solid, mm -hmm. well designed. Hmm. Uh, also great for, uh, you know, as sim games go, for having a good, like in game progression of not giving you all your mechanics right at the start, and just, um, you know, making it so that. Uh, like you unlock all the things you can do as you play. Uh, and that's true each time you play individually. Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, is a nice progression because it's easy to, I guess, like misallocate priorities if you have everything available from the start because you think too much about the late game. But if you don't have late game stuff available, it forces you to think about the early game stuff first. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was like one of my big problems with Banished. It's like I, I try and think about accounting for like every possible thing in the future right from the start. And then it's like, oh, right. I needed to actually feed people through the first winter. Yeah, right. I forgot to grow food. Yeah. 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 You know, it happens. Yeah. Sometimes you forget to eat. It's true. All right. And third place. Third place, we got Mini Metro. Mini Metro. Uh, I I think I I guess I voted this as my top slot um, because I'm still playing it. Literally, while we were binging that podcast, I was talking about. I I was trying to get the last few achievements on Mini Metro, and God, those last three are so freaking brutal. <laughs> You'll get them, just like you got the last ones with Rus. Yep. <laughs> I keep trying. Like, Auckland, I have, like, Auckland with only two tunnels, Cairo with no more than one carriage per line, and Berlin with no more than one locomotive per line. Those are, like, my last three challenges. And 
God damn. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a nightmare. Yeah. I don't think I even, like, I think in the Cairo one, you have to get, like, 1,400 passengers. I don't, I didn't even get that without constraints in Cairo. So, anyway. Um, Mini Metro is just really slick and minimalist and, like, really easy to pick up. It has one of those, like, very easy to understand what you're supposed to do. Uh, and, like, at the beginning, you think, like, oh, this isn't that complicated. I can get this. And then as each level, like, just increases and increases in complexity, you're like, oh, God, all the things are going wrong at once. And then yeah. you finish it and you're like, I bet I could have done that better. And you immediately restart the next level. And you yeah. find yourself swearing at shape. <laughs> God dang, triangles. Why are there so many triangles over here? Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. game. And and good, like, you know, kind of can expand. To, like, you can play, like, one 20-minute session, or you can play it for, like, four hours. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very just solidly tightly designed. All right, what are our other games from this category that were not mentioned? Yeah, so the other games include Oxygen Not Included. Banished, Blockhood, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Platinum, exclamation mark, Glitter Mitten Grove, slash Frog Fractions. Actually, I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure we're included Frog Fractions 2 in this, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think that was yeah, just I mean... Glitter Mitten Grove. Yeah, just Glitter Mitten Grove. Not even, not even Frog Fractions 2, just the Glitter Mitten Grove part of that game, which was a surprisingly solid Tim game on its own. Yeah, that's also in the itch in the itch bundle. Um, I saw as I was scrolling yep. down. So if if you want to play Glittermitten Grove for a, a a surprisingly good sim game that might have even been better than the actual game that it was intended to sort of uh, lead into, eh, you pick it up. Yep, man. If 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 Glittermitten Grove was balanced such that it had a good late game, like. <laughs> that would have been a solid yeah. contender for me. Yeah, honestly. It was a missed opportunity hiding yep. frog fractions in there. You could have you could have been a contender, Glitterman Grove. Yep. <laughs> uh yeah. So lots of lots of good kind of interesting and different uh sim games on here. Um there's also a lot of overlap. There there's a lot of games that we separated out into our next game which is best strategy game that could also have been considered best sim game. I think it's one of those like very muddy lines. Mm -hmm. Um but those are the ones that we decided were sims more than they were strategy. Yeah. So the ones that we decided were strategy more than sims <clears throat> which is we only had six of them because we actually haven't played that many strategy games. Uh, were Rus, uh, From Dust. Oh, sorry, no, we go top to bottom. Sorry, sorry, we go top to bottom. I was just gonna list them all. Um, top. What's the top number one best sim game that we all liked? Uh, was War for the Overworld, or Warfdo. As yeah, my husband there. insists on calling it, um, <clears throat> which is uh, 
it's just Dungeon Keeper. It's just a, a newer, upgraded Dungeon Keeper, and it has all the stuff you love about Dungeon Keeper. Yep. And even more stuff, like too much stuff, honestly, we kind of yep. decided. But yes, too many things, but still a well executed, uh, still a well executed Dungeon Keeper. Um, it, Dungeon Keeper, if you didn't play it when it first came out, was uh, it's a it's an indirect RTS where you can't actually like order your units to do anything. All you can do is like put them near tasks and hope that they feel like doing it, um, because all your minions have little personalities. Uh, you play an evil overlord trying to take over the world, or at least the underworld, and then later the overworld. The hence the you know the thing, mm-hmm. um, and you yeah you try and encourage your minions, but if they're like not well fed or well paid, then maybe they decide they don't like you and they rebel. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool to to play an RTS where you have units that like have personalities and have like wills of their own. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's very creative because you don't like in, instead of building buildings, you actually like carve out rooms and like fill them with with like what you want that area to be, which feels more like creative and uh, and customizable than uh, yeah, than just plopping down a building. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh yeah, little little over designed. We learned we learned after the fact after recording that episode, not actually created by the original devs from War for the Overworld, just some people who are like really dedicated fans of the original games. Yeah. Uh or rather not not devs of the original Dungeon Keeper, rather. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, and people who love enough- Dungeon Keeper yeah, they, they did a good enough job um, at making sort of a spiritual successor type of game that we were not the only people who thought that they were former former Dungeon Keeper devs. Yeah. Um, they they tweeted at us and were like, yeah, we've other people have said that, but it's just not the case. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So, good, solid job. Congratulations, Warfto. Yeah. Uh, second place... Uh, was From Dust, which, one of those, again, that's, like, arguably more a sim than a strategy, but, um, you know, you do have to, it does have an RTS-like feel, where you have units and they, and locations that you're trying to, like, capture. Um, the The big sort of mechanical gimmick on From Dust is that it's the the main point of the game is it has deformable terrain and in order to get your uh you know units from point a to point b you have to mess with the terrain and make it habitable and um like carve paths for them and shield them from lava and flooding and all kinds of stuff and explosions and fires yes can be a little tricky um But uh, but I I remember I said I think I said this at the time, but this is the game that really makes me think of like playing in a sandbox as a kid or like that the thing that you did as a kid where you and this is maybe a like rural kid thing, but by where you go by the side of the road where when it's like heavily raining and you like 
carve out a little path in the oh, like yeah. leaves and mud for the water to go down better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like that pleasure that you had from childhood as like a full game, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, we had a we had a like wooded area and a stream way in the backyard. So we did I did that kind yeah. of stuff for sure. You, yeah, you know that. Yeah. You know that feeling. <laughs> Carving out a little stream path through the water. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So from yeah, from dust. And then in third place is Rus, my favorite. <laughs> Which I still play regularly, even though I have hundred percented it. Yeah. Um, although it's gotten Fun. crashy lately. One of the updates made it crash more often, which makes me sad. Um, but it's a solid game, inside out RTS, basically, where instead of you, you know, like control units and build buildings and search for to and harvest resources, instead you control the map and the placement of resources, and then the units and buildings spawn themselves and have a mind of their own. Yeah, which is kind of a kind of a cool inversion, and I don't know. I find it very satisfying. It's played in like thirty minute, one hour, or two hour increments, and then you just start over. So there's no kind of like permanent element to it, and you just gotta think very hard about what you're gonna put where and how things affect the things next to them, and you know what the what your best synergies are and how to not make things grow so fast that people get greedy and cause wars. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of thought, but in a very self-contained way, which I find very satisfying. Yeah. Um, so other, other games. And again, there were only six games in this category, but other games that were nominated include space run, which is Galaxy Truckers, but on the computer, uh, Overlord, and Impossible Creatures. I gotta be completely honest. I I didn't really enjoy any of them. <laughs> oh, no. I kind of felt like my points were best of the worst. <laughs> well, they were kind of not as important to your point. Maybe. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you can still have games that you disliked less than others. That's fine. Did you, are there any, like, not, you know, not necessarily just from games that we played for the podcast, but are there any strategy games that you, like, really like and that we should play in the future? Hmm. I'm not sure. Or do you just not like strategy as like, a genre? I mean... I'm not sure I have any that would fit our podcast for, like, that I have in my head. But I'm a big fan of, like, traditional, like, RTS. Like, your your Warcraft, your Starcraft, your Command and Conquers, and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, we, we definitely went for, like, more niche strategy games, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably largely my fault as someone who... <laughs> I think I discovered later that it's not actually that I don't like RTSs. It's that I don't like Blizzard RTSs. <laughs> because I always thought that I didn't really like the pressure of like an RTS game. Um, because I didn't like StarCraft and I didn't like Warcraft. Um, and then I, I played like, I'm like, 
I played Impossible Creatures, and I'm like, oh, maybe I just like weird niche ones. And then I played like Age of uh, Age of Mythology, and I was like, oh, I like this too. Maybe I just don't like Blizzard RTSs. Yeah, that makes sense. So, maybe we'll get a chance, but also I don't like playing against other humans, so I have to. <laughs> it has to be one that has a decent. Uh, like single player campaigns. So maybe we will get around to playing one of those other more more classic uh strategy games at some point. Yeah, get some <clears throat> get some Civ going or whatever. Uh also Wintermore could have fit into this category, but as mentioned on the previous uh podcast, I I barred Wintermore from any category that we were going to be voting on <laughs> because I felt it was unfair to put my own game in the running for these. Yep, that's, yeah, that's fine. It makes uh, sense. Yeah, there's definitely, there's a game that, uh, in the bundle that I want us to play at some point that's a turn-based strategy game. So we'll see. We'll see if we can get Carl to like a strategy game. <laughs> okay. uh, all right. Oh, yeah, yes. actually, I, I do have, maybe, Wait. I'm not sure how long it is, but it would be fun to do, like, Banner Saga. Ooh, yeah, they're they're published oh, yeah. by our publishers, so that would be good. Ooh. Oh yeah. So, uh, so I probably should try playing them at some point. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, next category. Kelsey, uh, you want to talk yes. about Viznovs? Next this category. Is a, this is a very loose interpretation of Viznovs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Next category is best visual novel. We only played a few games that were like actual real visual novels, so we put some other stuff in there. Yeah, I, I feel like this category ended up being games where the narrative is the mechanic, basically. Yeah, yeah we yeah. would also say like in in form of text. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, specifically where the text narrative is the mechanic. Yeah. Um, and the winner for this category for what we put in the category is um, Valhalla. Oh, we actually have a two. We actually have a tie. A tie. Oh, shit, we do. Yeah, we do have a tie because they both and have two votes. And Kelso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I oh, I didn't even see that. Okay, so it's a tie between Valhalla and the Silver Case. There you go. Yep. Um, Valhalla, a cyberpunk bartending visual novel type thing um and the silver case which is a mystery yeah like i'm like a cop, like a cop thriller basically yeah yeah um it's both of these are games that sort of purport to have a mechanic that's not the narrative but really don't like valhalla is a says it's a bartending sim and you do mix a lot of drinks, but like the actual control you have over anything in the game via mixing drinks is actually not that much. Yeah, um, I think and you, this... you can get like extra dialogue from people if you mix them the right drink. Yeah, and that's about it. And it's not hard to mix them the right drink because most of the time they either say "I want this" or they say "I want something that is in this category," and you just and look at your little bartending manual and you make it. So yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the silver case purports to be, I guess, like a, a mystery investigation game. Um, but, God, you guys have to talk about the silver case. <laughs> I rage quit the silver case. I'm not allowed to talk about the silver case. 
that's fine. The Silver Case does have sections where you're basically in first person um, walking around looking for clues, but most of it is just reading. So. Yeah, there's not actually that much like problem solving. Yeah, there there are a couple of puzzles, but they like I remembering there's one puzzle that's really esoteric and completely optional to even solve. Um, in, in it was like later in the game in like the records library or something, and you have to visit each shelf in a specific order. Um, oh, and yeah. I don't even remember. I think you just get extra information that is like tied to the backstory. Um, this maybe if I like go through it again like with a walkthrough next to me and treat it like a visual novel, I will have better luck with that game. <laughs> yeah, maybe. This is um isn't this like Suda fifty one? Uh yes. Or, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a it's an early Suda fifty one game, so it's a bit weird because <laughs> because Suda fifty one. Mm-hmm. And so also yeah. tied into a bunch of other games. It tied into Flower, Sun, and Rain. Tied into um, uh, Moonlight. Seven. Yeah, Killer Seven. And there was another one called like Moonlight, something that was from a different publisher. Even um, it also tied into like the manga, I think. Oh God, was there was there even also a manga? Wow, I'm not surprised, <laughs> but I didn't know that. But yeah, not surprised. Or something like that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, sort of like how how Nier had uh, an entire ass book and an audio drama. Um, yeah. Does does it clarify anything the Nier book or the, audio drama? Um, the audio drama basically makes, as far as I know, it makes all of the twists in the second game not twists at all. Um, and even if you played the first game, they're not twists at all. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. The the audio drama I think was a lot of stuff about like aliens. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a that would be something I'd actually be interested in because the aliens plot is like raised and then just freaking dropped like a hot potato in that game. There's, um, so there's one thing that I have. This is like a complete aside. I have it in my in my Google Docs somewhere. But there was uh, the other thing that I mentioned was the entire ass book, which was called mm -hmm. Grimoire Near. And it was never officially released in English, but I have a fan translation of it saved somewhere. Um, and I can send that to you if you are at all interested, if I can find it again. I mean, maybe. Yeah. If it's if it's good. If it's just backstory, I don't necessarily want just backstory. But if it is good on its own as a thing, then I might be interested. It's not like a proper novel. I will say that much. Um, I, I haven't read all of it. I've read some of it. And I don't know where, I can't find it right now. So I will have to look for it. But anyway, that's not the game we're talking about. That's not yeah. even a game we played on our yeah, podcast no. this year. Yeah, no. Um, Although it is a game that I played for the first time, the second game at least, uh, in the past year or so. Yeah. Uh, or a couple years, whenever that was. Yeah, um, so tied for first, Valhalla and the Silver Case. And then in second place is um, Kentucky Route Zero, which... Not really a visual novel at all, but mostly text. So yeah, it's a it it's a here. sort of a walking sim. I mean, we sort of put walking sims in here a little bit if 
except not because we we also put like one of our walking sims in in the next category but um yeah kentucky route zero is just very hard to classify um it's definitely a game where the 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 narrative is the mechanic Mm -hmm. so you know yeah it can be in here um and then i guess the other thing we have is another tie for no, okay, we've got a tiebreaker for third. Um, so 3A is Doki Doki Literature Club. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, a real visual novel. <laughs> One of the actual <laughs> visual novels we played. Yeah, um, yeah. Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh, a, 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 a um, what am I, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, a deconstruction of, yes. of romance-themed visual novels. Yeah, and, and very much a, like, you know, era-defining sort of game. Like, this was a horror game that sort of was on everybody's list for a little while. It helps um, that it was free, I believe. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but that it was matter. like, it was, so, it it was, was clever. So yeah. It was clever and weird. And also, in addition to being, like, a cool, interesting, like, clever meta-horror about, like, you know, the existential, uh, like, agony of being trapped in a video game where you are controlled by someone else's whims, essentially. Um, In addition to that, it also had, like, some kind of interesting, like, discussions and perspectives on, like, depression uh, Mm -hmm. and self-harm and things like that. Um, Like, not not super deep and or like necessarily that nuanced but enough that every single person i've ever watched uh play doki doki literature club has had a point in the game where they like stopped playing and had an aside with their chat or audience about mental health like about their experiences with depression or their experiences trying to help a friend with depression or you know like you know, hero complexes of like how, how you like sometimes want to help people and can't. And like it, it spawned some really like meaningful conversation, which is not a thing every game can do. Yeah. I would say it, it at least handled it in a more comprehensive way than Celeste did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's That's a very, very like, it's very bleak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the there is a game that a friend told me about uh, later on called Doki Doki Rain Cloud, um, which is just a game that is the same game, but it's it's just from the perspective of the the ma- the first main girl, the the girl who who commits suicide, mm. um, and it's about her depression, and it doesn't have any of the horror elements. It's just a game about her depression. Oh wow! So someone took Doki Doki Literature Club and made the like more thoughtful mental health game that we had been sort of proposing during that episode. Yeah, actually, I think it is. Is it? Is it just the same developers? I think it is just the same developers. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Oh well, good for them. Hang on, now I gotta now I gotta double check to make sure I'm not just talking out my ass. Doki Doki Rain Clouds. Uh, It does say fan game slash mod. Okay, yeah. Never mind. I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> by Psycha Dev. Um, 
Okay, yeah, that's a different that's a different one. I, I was at their website and it looks it looked so official that I got confused. Uh, <laughs> but you do get to see the the main character in it. Um, yeah. like what your character from Doki Doki Literature Literature Club would have looked like. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so you know the fact that it people played it and went, you know, actually there are the seeds of a really interesting game about mental health here and made that is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, not to not to undersell that the horror game part is not cool because it's a very cool part of the the original game as well. But um, I don't know, it's a multifaceted game. Yeah. Um, and then three uh, B we gave to Butterfly Soup. Yes. Um, I and like I was I was torn because there are a lot of places I wanted to put points in this uh category there were like there were a lot of these that i actually really enjoyed but i kind of felt like i would be betraying butterfly soup if i didn't give it at least some points yeah that's fair because it's it's just such a sweet game and this is a proper viznov this is just Mm -hmm. a viznov about like asian american teen girl romance yeah (laughs) it's like just really sweet and it's a good coming of age story it's a good sort of like you know, story about uh, culture and cultural assimilation. Um, it's got just really endearing characters. Yeah, um, good characters, good writing. Um, it, overall, you know, just just people that you can care about, which is not always the case in visual novels, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we were last time, we were doing like best the, our best character list. And I pretty much wanted to just nominate everybody from Butterfly Soup. Yeah. Because um, they are all sort of like quirky and entertaining in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the other games that are on this list were uh, Hustle Cat, which I feel bad that none of us voted for Hustle Cat. I, I, I wanted, Cat yeah. Bit, of but... the, uh, there are two remaining games that I didn't give points to that I really am sad I didn't give points to. And one of them is Hustle Cat. Yeah. Hustle Cat, just a uh, romance, sort of occult, supernatural um, visual novel. Dream Daddy, because it's a visual novel and that's why it made the list. Um, that's the only reason it's on the list. Um, at Elsinore, which is not a visual novel, but it has a damn lot of text, so we put yep. it in here. Yeah, and that's the other one that, like, I really, like, I feel bad that I didn't give points to, because I sh- I feel like I should have given points to, because I liked Elsinore a lot, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I had I had a good time with it, uh, yeah. but there was other stuff that I felt uh, deserved my points more, uh, or or called out to my points more. Yeah. I almost, I almost gave Dream Daddy like a negative one, um, <laughs> but that would be—I figured that would be a little too mean-spirited. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad game. I feel like it was harmless, largely. It was just very shallow. There was just not a lot yeah. to it. Yeah. Um. It was. Oh, well. It's. It was like a meme in game form. And you know that that went it and went about as well as that would you would expect from that description. I think, and I think honestly, my perception of it got worse later on in hearing like the the writing team talk about it, and basically they stated our only goal was to make memeable screenshots. Mm-hmm. 
and like <laughs> putting any uh, aspirations of writing something meaningful out the wayside. Because, you know, I, I would also say that like Doki Doki Literature Club, Club was hypey in a similar way, but it actually did something. Yeah. I mean, Dream Daddy was like, it was more of a title than it was a game. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it did have its moments. There were, like, it got some genuine chuckles out of me. But, uh, yeah, overall, kind of a, a disposable game in certain ways, unfortunately. Um, yeah. You know, which I'm sure the people who worked on it did work hard on it. Like, it's not like they were like, ah, eh, we don't care if this is a trash fire, just put out whatever. It's just that, you know, the, the goal was not to create high art. And maybe that's fine. You know, sometimes you just want to make something that's dumb and popcorny, and that's okay too. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't get you top spot on our list. Yep. It, it gets you put on the list because of a technicality. <laughs> because we had, like, only, even with it, we only had eight things in this category. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, the next category is Best Other Mechanic. <laughs> which I have no idea still what that means. It's just mechanics that we couldn't easily like say this was definitely should have been in one of these other categories or it like kind of was but kind of wasn't yeah like each game definitely has a core mechanic that is distinct but damned if we can fit it into another category yeah basically um <clears throat> once we once we give the top three in this uh, I actually want to go down and, like, say what I think the mechanic is for each of these. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So our number one spot goes to Return of the Obradin. Yeah. Yep. Obradin wanna... is back and take it all the wins, baby. Yeah. yeah, I would say if we had, like, a game of the game of the podcast, I feel like this is the game that we have between us, like, the most unequivocally all agreed is good. And like, yeah. and praised so, <laughs> praised the most. A bit of a spoiler for our ten list, but this is the only game that we all three had <laughs> on the on, on our, our list. list. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it made the true. same. It made the same middle of the list spot on all of our lists. Yep. Too. Yep. <laughs> it's number five on everyone's list. I think at one point I had it higher, but then I moved it down. And at this point, like like Carl said, I'm looking at my list and like, man, I could really put these in a different order. Yeah. But I'm not going to. Yeah. We're recording. I can't do that right now. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of like game that we agreed up that was good the most, like you kind of got to give it to Oberdin. And we talked about Oberdin a ton last time. Yeah. But... It's just a solid game. It's just really well designed. The narrative, the mechanic is uh, like closely observing visual scenes for information and then correctly recording that information. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a hidden objects game in terms of mechanic. Yeah, but then you actually have to make yep. a deduction in a lot of yeah. cases. Um, like it's the closest that you will get to actually investigating a 
a I mean, there wasn't really a crime, but like it's the closest you will get to a an actual yeah, investigation. Yeah, to really feeling like actually, a detective, you actually have to, you know, make deductions, and you don't necessarily know if they are correct until a while yep. later. So and I will say, there were multiple crimes. <laughs> there were yeah, a few crimes. True. Yeah, there were crimes, but you weren't like overall investigating the crime. It was just what happened here. Yeah, you would. You were concerned um, more about the death than the guilty. Yeah. Um, but dang, dang! If Return of the Oberdin wasn't like a cool mechanic, right? It's like it's it's just familiar enough to be exactly the thing you wanted, and just unique enough to be like surprising and pleasing and feel like mm -hmm. something you haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah. game two. Game two is Outer Wilds. Yeah. Another mystery game, which I guess is in, is the most similar mechanically to, uh, to Return of the Oberdin in that, it's about closely investigating things and and making deductions, except that you also have to fly a spaceship. Yeah. God, I will I will never forget the moment when I realized that you had like an autopilot um, function <laughs> and you could you could use the autopilot function to land your ship. I smacked into so many planets in the first like two hours of that game. Uh, well, you can't fully use autopilot to land your ship, but you can use it to get in good landing range. Oh yeah, no, it 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 it, it yeah, it definitely helps uh, tremendously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just and again, this is a game that we talked about a lot last time, but uh, a game that you feel smart for putting things together. Um, but also that feels like makes you feel like an explorer. I think this is in, in this is different from uh, there's there's another pair of games on here that we kind of lumped into one because they have this basically the same mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, these two, I think, exploration is the main mechanic that makes a difference in yeah. terms of like how I would say Return of the Oberdin and Outer Wilds are different mechanics. Um, because in, in Oberdin, it's a f like there are some places that you can go like one way or another and see memories in a slightly different order. But for the most part, it's a pretty linear game. Whereas Outer Wilds is the opposite. Like as soon as you get off the tutorial, it's like you can do literally anything. Like mm -hmm. if you have the information, you can just win the game right now. But... <laughs> You know, yeah. figure out what you need, what you feel you need to know to declare yourself knowing enough, mm -hmm. right? And it's very open-ended in that way, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And speak of the devil, the two that we have lumped in together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the two that we have lumped in together. And in third place is Her Story and Hypnospace Outlaw. Yeah, which are lumped together because they basically share the same mechanic, which is database searching, mm -hmm. which is using search terms to get to, uh, a, you know, some piece of information, which then leads you to other search terms. 
which is cool, which is a strange and different thing. And, you know, other than these two games and, you know, maybe um, the new, the Her Story sequel, which I haven't played yet. Telling lies. Yeah, telling lies. Uh, is not something I think I've seen in any other games besides these. Yeah, but it's it's a good way of like gradually unfolding a narrative that lets you feel like you are in control of uncovering that narrative while still being able to tell like a reasonable semi-linear story. Um, yeah, so it's mechanically fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. the the games like those two games also have a lot of different weird things going for them, <laughs> but in terms of like mechanical genre, um, I would be interested in seeing more database search games. Yeah. At the t- I guess our top three games were all sort of mystery games <laughs> in this category, but we did play a lot of mystery games. So. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting seeing the, um, the, overall patterns of what we've played sort of crystallized in our in our big nice spreadsheet here yep in our retrospective yeah all right so what all else is on this list yeah other games on this category includes tacoma inverted inverbis virtus long live the queen world of go goo mushroom 11 Wonder Song, and What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah, and a lot of these, like, What Remains of Edith Finch could maybe have been arguably a visual novel. Um, Tacoma could have been arguably a visual novel. Uh, Mushroom 11 could have been arguably an action game or a puzzle game. World of Goo could have been arguably an action game or a puzzle game. So there's a lot of... Or even, like, a, a sim or strategy game. Yeah, Long yeah. Live the Queen could have maybe been uh, like a sim game. <laughs> but, or a puzzle game. Yeah, but so basically, so here's what I, I, I would call the mechanics. Tacoma is uh, a, also an observation game, but it's an, it's an observation game with, it's like a, it's a voyeurism sim with real-time, like, time manipulation fast forward and and rewind um in verbis virtus is a voice activated uh magic game which is definitely not a mechanic we have anywhere else yeah and for what it's worth as much as we panned that game the mechanic was cool and worked well yeah it it functioned as intended which is i think was kind of unexpected for all Mm -hmm. of us I mean, it didn't function well for me, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. okay. I can't really say that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> Long Live the Queen is sort of a, um, like a choose-your-own-adventure princess murder simulator slash princess raising simulator. It's like a, it's like a mood control game, <laughs> mood and skills. Uh, World of Goo is sort of like directly in that like middle point between puzzle game and ex- and execution based action game, such that like it didn't really feel fair moving it one way or the other <laughs> to me. Yeah. 
Um, Mushroom Eleven is a is a mold tickling game. <laughs> yep, that's not. Yeah. Everyone yeah. understands. Yep. <laughs> um, Wander Song is like a music game. It's not a rhythm game. It's a game where you play by singing notes. Um, not actually singing notes, but like selecting notes to sing, um, which they did a surprising amount with in terms of mechanics. Like they made it, um, they made things like each each different boss fight felt kind of different despite using the same song wheel. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of like fun, weird little silly things you did with your song wheel along the way as well. Uh, and then <clears throat> What Remains of Edith Finch we played for our walking simulators uh, game, but it's it's like a walking simulator um, frame narrative around a series of mini games. Mm -hmm. um, so also very hard to classify. So a lot of these games are just difficult to put in a category, but they were doing something mechanically interesting, which is why they're here. Yeah. So that is our genre breakdown. And if you disagree with us, hey, come fight it out with us in our Discord. Uh, we we welcome. Yeah, we welcome, um, you know, good natured debate. <laughs> good natured, open minded debate. I'm not good natured <laughs> or open minded. <laughs> Except Carl. Carl will literally fight you. Yeah, we will debate you and Carl will fight you. Yep. And that's right. fine. That should be entertaining. <laughs> so uh, our next three categories... Kelso, I feel like you should do the best art category because you are yeah. our artist. Okay, that works. Um, yeah, the winner for best art for us was uh, Gris, and we all actually voted for it, which is... <laughs> kind of a rarity <laughs> nope. no it's a tie this so this was oh, at, this was this was uh this is one a so it, one yeah. a is one gris a is gris um which we we talked about gris last time too i think for some category i think we talked about it for most emotionally affecting yeah um, so maybe we didn't talk about the art too much but man the art in gris was beautiful yeah um, it's a watercolor painting as a game and they mm -hmm. did a lot to, to like make sure that you got that this was watercolor. Like I don't know what engine or post processing they used, but damn. Yeah. Um, I think they used Unity. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume it was Unity, but I'm just wondering if they like wrote something on top of Unity specifically yeah. for yeah, like watercolor so. imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, looks good. Just very good like unified color palettes and a, a cohesive color story throughout the game um which it's it's so fucking dumb that's like the main criticism that i have now <laughs> now now that it's like like the sony conference and the P pc game show like it's game trailer season baby and that's the thing that i've been criticizing the most is like none of these games that i'm seeing have like a cohesive color story and Dang, that's important. Yeah. Think about and, think about and, that when you put your trailers together. Damn it! And Gris literally has a color story yeah. in that, like 
you start as black and white and color gradually comes back to the world yes. and represents different things as you go through. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, Gris, top spot because we all voted for it. And then the one that we didn't all vote for, uh, one, well, yeah, one B, I guess we'll call it, uh, Kentucky Route Zero, which is kind of the opposite thing. Well, not entirely, but a different thing, which is yeah. you know, low poly, low saturation, um, a very, it's, yeah, like, it's an art style that forces you to fill in the blanks. Like nobody in that game has a face. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's very minimalist, but mm -hmm. in a, in a different way that like, than like, I would say, um, like whatchamaface is minimalist. Um, uh, mini Metro is minimalist. Mm -hmm. Like mini Metro is minimal minimalist because everything is like, icons representing a thing rather than like any kind of like attempt at rep like visually detailed representing a thing in any kind of detailed way but kentucky route zero is minimalist in that it figures out like what is the fewest number of lines and polygons that we really need to make that you feel the thing we want you to feel looking mm -hmm. at this image yep it really really cuts like every character down to its most uh, most recognizable features in every environment down to this is the most important thing that defines this environment. Mm -hmm. um, and it works exceptionally well. Yeah, like it, pretty much every screenshot from that game is gorgeous. And then, oh God, I just I just saw what's going on in the rest of the... <laughs> um, we, we have a have first a, place, we have a two-way tie for first place and a three-way three tie. tie for... Um, for second place cool so the te technical winner of second place is where the water tastes like wine because two people voted for it yep. um yeah where the water tastes like wine a game that we all had a lot of problems with but i think we all agreed that the art was the best part of the game yeah so there's I that know. it has that kind of like sketchy illustration style that like Mm -hmm. looks simple and easy but is not simple and easy yeah. it it's you know it's a game about walking across the united states and it really has the feel of like sketches in in your you know notebook as you're backpacking through a place you know mm -hmm. you stop and think that's a cool like person that i'm sitting across from on the train or that's a cool rock formation so i'm just gonna like take out my pencil and sketch it really quick yeah and it kind and, of has that feel and in a way that it feels like it could be kind of like an old like a book illustration if you you know like like not necessarily itself but like the plans for like you're working on a, a book of folk tales and you're kind of like all right what would i draw for you know this kind of encounter mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Where it's 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 again not necessarily always directly representing something. It's more just like a single illustration that gives you a mood mm -hmm. that you're expected to sort of feel. Yeah, yeah. Where the water tastes like wine. The art is great. <laughs> um, and then tied for to be, gosh, uh, each each of these got one vote for two points. Um, so I'm just going to read them in the order that they are on the list. Uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts for kind of the exact opposite of 
Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, in many ways, it's similar to Kentucky Route Zero yeah. in terms of like being low poly, but it's like if Kentucky Route Zero like like vomited neon. <laughs> yeah, basically. basically, it's it's the same kind of low poly models. Um, except that everything is flashy, everything is sparkly, everything is like neon colored, um, and everything's moving real fast all the time, which is yeah. also not at all like Kentucky Route Zero, but that's not necessarily yeah. an artistic yeah, choice. Yeah, it's just a like over-the-top visual trip of a game. Yeah. It's an, it's an over-the-top everything trip of a game, but visuals <laughs> is part of that. Yeah. Um, and then tied for 2B... Is that yeah? Tied for two. Wait. Yes, yeah. Tied, tied for, for two, two B. God, this is getting uh, very granular. Um, Old Man's Journey, which is a another we we tend towards our our minimalistic art styles here. Old Man's Journey, which is uh, the character designs are almost all just simple shapes put mm -hmm. together. But this one a, is in a way is, that makes sense. Yeah, but this is not a this is not like a Kentucky Route Zero like the minimum number of lines to represent something. This is much more of like a, a children's storybook sort of illustration where like the shapes are simple, but it's, it's very clearly a representation of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just such a, like a kind of muted, peaceful palette. Yep. With like lots of colors. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's colorful. It's and it it like knows how to use moments of of color when the like story tone changes a little bit, um, like when there's the the rainstorm and such. And mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's a very sort of soothing and nostalgic art style in a way that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and um, no third place because nothing scored yeah. any other points. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. So other games in this category were Goragoa, um, Botanicula, Manifold Garden, Creature in the Well, uh, and Burly Men at Sea. Wait a minute, I just realized that I got Burly Men at Sea and Old Ben's Journey mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong with like simple shapes uh, for Old Man's Journey. They're just not quite as simple yeah. as yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. as Burly Men at Sea. Um, yeah, no. Old Man's Journey is uh, is very. It's like, like watercolory, um, in a yeah. in a different sort of way than. Grace. It's very illustration based, and yeah. it's very color based, and like soothing, like mixed gradients of color. Mm -hmm. And like textural, a little bit in there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Burly Men at Sea is also freaking gorgeous. I did get like a picture from it framed on my wall um yeah. of one of the, the images i really liked from that game the sea monster yeah. specifically um and like all of the all of the this was a tough one to vote in for me because so many of these had such interesting and cool art styles that yeah. like i kind of just wanted to give points to everything like i'm sad i couldn't give creature in the well points because like the 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 style on that was just so like a weird graphic novel kind of cool thing and mm -hmm. yeah I wish I could have given points to Gorgo I wish I could have given points to Botanicula like mm -hmm. yeah basically all of these, not Burly, all of these yeah I wish I could have given points to Burly Men at Sea just that. Yeah. yeah 
Yep. So. Yeah, there was a lot of good art in the games that we played. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, all right. Next category is best narrative. Uh, we had kind of a tough time defining what was meant by narrative. Um, I tried to clarify it as like a compelling story that keeps you eager to know more and that left you feeling satisfied with how the plot played out. Um, because that, you know, there's a, there's a large room for debate about what constitutes a quote unquote narrative, uh, in the game. But this is just sort of like, did you, did you enjoy like learning about what was happening and going on? And did you, did you feel like you had been told a satisfying story at the end? Yeah. Um, and once in a, once again, far and away, our winner, <laughs> Return of the Obra Dinn. God, Return of the Obra Dinn didn't Yay. even make best art, but that also could have been a contender on that list, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Return of the Obra Dinn has, uh, has a good story. It's, like, just pulpy enough that it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't quite cross that line into feeling like a sort of dumb sort of pulpy in the way that her story does a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's, and it's got, it's well paced. You like learn things at like moments that feel like shocking revelations and are cool. And, you know, at the end, when you, when you get the epilogue uncovered, it feels like, you know, it's not unexpected, but, it it is a, a satisfying reveal. We're like, yeah. oh shit, the captain was an asshole. The thing I found like great about Return of the Oberdin and the narrative in that game is how well it supports the other game, the mechanic and the Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of can't do one without the other in a really intrinsic way. Yeah, like the Return of the Oberdin would not be nearly as good if you were just taking the place of like a crew member on the ship watching the events as they unfold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the order that everything is revealed to you and the way that everything revealed is revealed to you is such an important part of what makes the game great. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is definitely up there for like a story, a, a an interesting story told in a satisfying way. Um, second place with four points goes to Outer Wilds for more or less the same reasons. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I almost think the underlying, and this is this is so tough. Like I I could almost switch my points here. I don't think it would actually affect the outcome uh, if I did. Because uh, it would be like five to seven still, um, but like I almost feel like the the story behind uh, Outer Wilds is a little more compelling in terms of um, like learning about what happened like with the Nomai because it's it's sort of as the more you learn about it, the more it becomes like this sort of like tragic heartstring pulling like oh shit you know they were. They were trying to do this thing, and then, like, they just all got wiped out, and the universe is ending, and everyone I ever know and love will be do- will be dead. And like, it 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 gets to some deep places. Yeah, with not a lot of what you would normally call exposition as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm officially switching my points because it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Make that gap a little bit less big. I thought about switching my points as well. <laughs> and now it might matter. Um, yeah. The, the, these 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 uh, rankings are all sort of subject to what we were feeling at the moment we wrote it down, and we might be feeling something entirely different like an hour later. So, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah, it's um, not like you actually win anything <laughs> for winning yeah. these categories. Besides, we get to say nice things about your game. Yep. What? I win prices. <laughs> oh darn. <laughs> yep. Carl, Carl will be mailing you your prize. Um, a gold star. A <laughs> gold star sticker. Yeah, you don't get anything, but we will we will put a gold star next to you on our screens um, for for the the podcast for our SoundCloud, and uh, and you can rest assured knowing that we are seeing that gold star. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So I think Outer Wilds. Like, you know, there are only so many games that have articles written about them with titles like, this game made me think more complexly about death, right? <laughs> or whatever the actual title yeah. was. Um, which, you know, says a lot for how well this story is told and like what it's, what it, it brings out and tries to tackle, which is pretty cool. Um, and then in... Third place is Night in the Woods, which so I did not. Can I, I did... can I change my? No. No. I I would have given points to Night in the Woods, except I saw that you had given points to Night in the Woods, and I'm like, I I do want Night in the Woods to be on here. <laughs> so okay. I will give my so, I will I gave my pity point to someone else. The reason why I gave my three points to Night in the Woods was because. Of like, like what, what is a narrative? And to me, like the character in Night in the Woods were so strong that mm -hmm. I felt like I wanted to put my points there. Yeah, and that's totally fair. I think that's a reasonable interpretation of that. Like the 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 character arc of the main character and kind of understanding, like why she is why she is the way she is and like how she's feeling and how the way she's feeling is sort of reflected in and a reflection of the the place that she is living in and grew up is all it's, it's like very fascinating it's an interesting study of like millennial angst and uh dying small town america basically <laughs> So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleased that this got on our list because I think it's, it's a surprisingly nuanced look at something that's like, um, I feel like a lot of, there's a lot of similar like books to this that were sort of, that are not, um, that are like literary classics that are aimed at like men of previous time periods um and this is like a has a female protagonist which is a nice difference from a lot of the you know like a slightly different perspective uh and it has an also an updated and more modern perspective it's sort of your your catcher in the rye of 
of the modern generation. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, confessions, I have not actually read Catcher in the Rye, so. It's been a long I'm, time since I read Catcher in the I'm, Rye. I'm, I'm making assumptions from what I know of that book. Yeah, I haven't read it because I didn't go to an American school. Yeah. So no one can contradict me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I read it like a long time ago, but I didn't read it for school. So I didn't like examine it that thoroughly. <laughs> um, Fair enough. It was just kind of there on the shelf and it was a short read. So I read it. Um, yeah. I feel like Night in the Woods is a little bit less nihilistic than Catcher in the Rye, but. I mean, Night in the Woods is pretty nihilistic. <laughs> But it, it has like a point at the end. That's true. That's true. And I, I and I'm struggling to remember what the point of Catcher in the Rye was. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So that's the that's the top three. Um, other notable narratives include uh, Beyond Good and Evil, Mutazione, Butterfly Soup, Tacoma, Florence, The Wolf Among Us, and What Remains of Edith Finch. And again, this is a category that we probably could have gone back and forth on a lot. Can I change my points now? (laughs) Sure. Now that we've said it, if you want to move your point. Um, Would that have changed our outcome? (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, like, I think, like, a lot of these I, I would have... Like I, I really love the narrative in Tacoma. I think the, yeah. you know, the storytelling of like a bunch of people who, you know, are just trying to survive in a sort of capitalist dystopia, and then, like, you know, shit gets real, and it's got an interesting examination of like what artificial intelligence means. Um, this is all really cool. Um, you know, Mutazione had some great characters. Uh, and with with interesting arcs and a, a really interesting arc for the main character, um, Undertale could easily be on this list and is not on this list. Uh, there's I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool stories out there that got told by these games that we just didn't like didn't have time for. I think like Wander Song could have been on here yeah. uh, and talking about like you know your traditional mythic hero story with a very non traditional mythic hero. It it definitely doesn't help that I think we we tend to really favor narratively focused games on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, th- this this category in particular was was rough to narrow down to ten. Yeah, there were yeah there were at least probably an additional ten to fifteen games that could have easily made this list. Yeah. So so if you disagree with us again we disagree with us so (laughs) it's fine come talk about it on the for on the uh discord i'll fight my own ass (laughs) yeah exactly you don't even have to fight me (laughs) yeah Yeah. so the next and final category before our top tens is best music and also a tough one (laughs) Also a tough one. And the winner in this category is Undertale. Yeah, I I would almost be disappointed if anything else won this because like that is a soundtrack that I feel like is just iconic at this point. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many yeah. just little tunes where I hear like two bars of it and I know exactly what it is. Yeah. 
uh, and they're all they're all catchy. They're all good, good a good mood for whatever the moment is at the time. I still cry when listening to, or at least like feel like I'm choking up when I listen to uh, um, whatever that list. It's um, like Hearts and Minds Will Save the World or something is yeah. the name of the track. Um, yeah. uh, something like that. But it's the the like final um, uh, boss music for uh, the the pacifist run. Hope, sorry, Hopes and Dreams Will Save Hopes the World. Yeah. Hopes and Dreams Will Save yeah. the World is the name of that, uh, that track. Um, and like I hear it and I all the emotions come flooding back into me immediately, which I feel like is, is what good music does. I can hear it in my head now. And it's, and it's, it's getting me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the use of a few like simple themes that are sort of reworked and remixed in interesting ways and different contexts to create like new and different feelings in different situations. Like it's a it's a good soundtrack, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, not it is very much like a best of classic uh, video game soundtracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of sort of like yeah, the same kind of iconic you would get from older games where it's like, well, you've got two like MIDI channels and you have to make you know two little like eight bit channels and you've got to make it count like what you put. What melody you put in there? Plus, you know, Megalovania has become like a meme, basically. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't get much more iconic than that musically. There was a. Gee, there was a. It's so interesting that it becomes so iconic because, like, I mean, it's an amazing soundtrack, but like, it is very much shameless in like taking stuff from other games. Yeah, of being just like a a video game sort of medley kind of feel. Yeah. But I think that's, <clears throat> that's sort of, I don't know. I don't, does it, does it like directly crib from certain things? I mean, or is it not... just like evocative of a lot of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what is, I think that's kind of like, you know, in some ways, that sort of simplicity and evocativeness is what makes a good soundtrack. It's a sort of a John Williams kind of thing, right? Like getting just the like five notes or whatever that best encapsulate like everything you remember about old adventure serials <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very, very cool. I, I don't know how like... Um, I don't know the complete details of it, but the Megalovania uh, song in particular uh, is something that Toby Fox had sort of lying around for a while because apparently he created it originally for an old Earthbound mod uh, that he had made. And then it got used, then he used it as, because he did all, a lot of the music for Homestuck. Um, so he used it as battle music for one of the important sequences in Homestuck. And then it sort of came full circle back into a an Earthbound-like game <laughs> in the form of Undertale. Hmm. So it's a it's a pretty cool uh, it's a pretty cool song. It's a pretty cool soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to something completely different, in number two, we got Doom. 
with some like get some guitars in. Yeah. I I mean you can't you can't really argue with Mick Gordon. The man knows what he's doing. So You say that. I don't honestly I don't remember any of the music from Doom. It's it's just pretty solid metal soundtrack. <laughs> Fair enough, which, I guess. Which, it's it doesn't sound that impressive just saying it, but when you think about other games that try to use metal, uh, most of them do a really bad job. Fair so, enough. Yeah, so, and the rest of them are Mick Gordon. Yeah, and the rest of them are Mick Gordon. If it's done well, it's Mick Gordon. So, so there's that. I'll have to. I'll have to like pull out that soundtrack separately and listen to it. It may be that I was just too focused on trying not to die. Uh, at any given point in Doom that I didn't pay enough attention to the music. That could be. And it, it, it is kind of a thing where, like, if you're listening for it, and I guess if you're if you're into metal at all, like, it, you notice it. But other than that, it really... I feel like it does a good job at funneling you into the mindset to play the game, even if you're not necessarily aware of it. Yeah, that's fair. It's a very, like, rip and tear sort of music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, and, you know, part of being a good soundtrack is not distracting the player from the game, right? Not distracting yeah. them from what they're doing at the moment. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So in third place, right? Oh, we got a tie. We have oh, a tie. We Oh. And they're and they're basically identical ties, so you can put them in whatever order you want. <laughs> and I'm going to put it in order that I voted for. <laughs> oh yeah, that is true. <laughs> so the two games are Sayonara Wild Hearts and Celeste. Yep. Yeah, which are like very different musically, <laughs> but um, yeah, both have both have soundtracks that are just good to listen to on their own as a separate thing uh, and also very appropriate for the, the games that they are in. <laughs> I would say that um, Celeste is a lot more sort of ambient game music type soundtrack, whereas uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts is more a, like collection of pop songs type soundtrack, but they both work well for the thing that they're doing. So yeah, I mean... it's okay. <laughs> Sayonara Wild Heart is like a, well, not really a rhythm game, but kind of. It's a, li a little bit of rhythm yeah. game. So, like, what you want from that is, like, your, you want your, like, three-minute pop songs. Yeah, you want something. Yeah, it's it's a game that is built around its music, and the music that it's built around is very solid. Um, it might not be necessarily, like, a genre that everyone's into, um, I think it's, you know, it's a sort of music where I could see some people being like, oh, I hate that sort of song. But I love it. And I I listened to the soundtrack like at work on repeat for like an entire day at one point. So that's a that's a big fave for me. So this these these are tied because I put my top score into Sayonara Wild Hearts and uh, Carl put his put top my... score into Celeste. So, so they each of those get a top score from one of us. And Kelso did the sensible thing and put her top score into Undertale. Yep. 
I did. <laughs> All right, I'm not so here, I'm not here to make waves. <laughs> yep. So what else we got in our list? Carl, you're reading the category. You get to say. Oh yeah. Um, the other games we have are Hypnospace Outlaw, Papers Please, Mutazione, Hyperlight Drifter, Creature in the Well, and yeah, and Creature in the Well. Um, and Outer Wilds, which I think you oh, skipped because it has it has points, but it didn't make it the top. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only other game with points, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, another like. Not necessarily like super memorable every single track, but very memorable like main track. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good music in a lot of the games we've played. I think there's probably other games that uh, like we could we could add to this list, and also other games that we didn't even really think that much about the music. And if we went back and listened to it again, we'd be like, oh, actually, you know what? The music in this is great. Yeah. So. All right, well, the time has come for the venerable top 10 favorites. Yeah. And I think the way we're going to do this is we're just going to read our top 10 from from 10, 10th place to 1st place, uh, each of us. And then we'll have one group discussion about sort of why we organized things the way we did. Yeah. I guess I'm I guess I'm furthest to the left, so I'll yes. go first. This is also the order that we introduce ourselves in the beginning, so you might as well go first. Oh, that is true. Um, yeah, I, I didn't I was not paying that much attention. Good job putting the list in order. Um, okay, so lowest to highest for me was um, Valhalla, the Silver Case, Her Story, Wintermore Tactics Club, Creature in the Well, Return of the Oberdin, Tacoma, Aquaria. The Norwood Suite and Outer Wilds. Nice, good list. Uh, my list from <clears throat> bottom to top in tenth place: Tacoma, Sayonara Wild Hearts, Wander Song, Creature in the Well, The Beginner's Guide, Return of the Oberdin, Rus, Gris, Outer Wilds, and Undertale. Yeah. And my top 10 is Long Live the Queen, Night in the Woods, Valhalla, The Norwood Suite, The Silver Case, Return of the Oberdin, Doom, Gris, Ellis Heartbreak, and The Beginner's Guide. And man, were these lists hard to make. Oh, yeah. that is so difficult. Yeah. I like had there... a clear, like, Top five and a bottom five, I think. But like I, other than that, I couldn't place them at all. I literally like punted one of them off my list this morning in favor of I was like, oh shit, Sayonara Wild Hearts is not on this list, and Sayonara Wild Hearts needs to be on this list. Like, oh god, which one did I like better? Yeah, I, I put my list in order like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago and then came back to it today and was like, really? But I spent a lot of time on it a couple weeks ago, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to fuck with it again today, so I just, <laughs> I just left it as is. But it could have gotten completely overhauled. Um, but at the at the end of the day, I 
I, it doesn't really matter because my my opinions are going to change every hour or so, and that's okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's like there's there's stuff on here that I'm like heartbroken that I didn't get to include on my list, and there's you know that there's like infinite gradations of like, well, this is great for this reason, but this is great for this reason. I like. Let's let's talk about like at least why we each chose our number one game for our number one. So like Kelso, you picked Outer Wilds as your number one. That one was uh, number two for me. Mm -hmm. um, what tell us about like why you think Outer Wilds deserved your number one spot? So I I am a huge fan of games that are focused on exploration. Like it's my favorite thing to do in a game where you're allowed to do that kind of thing, which isn't all of them. But um, the Outer Wilds is such a good example of that but it also has so much more and a lot of times i find myself ignoring other things in favor of exploration <laughs> but in this case i didn't want to because it was all good um and you kind of don't yeah. have to because like exploration yeah. is how you do everything in that yeah. game yeah and that's frequently not the case um so you know yeah, being able to do the thing that I like doing most in games and not feeling like I'm missing out on other things or ignoring other things and, in fact, am being rewarded for doing the thing that I like doing so much. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, my number one spot went to Undertale, uh, which did not make either of the other two top ten lists. Um, and it... Like, for me, this game was, like, made a big impact at the time. Like, it had a big emotional effect on me. Um, and is something that, like, the more I've thought about it and the more I've heard other people, like, talk about it and kind of analyzed what it's about and how it accomplishes the thing, like, it's only risen in esteem. Like, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that you have an emotional reaction to at the moment and then... Like, later on, you're like, well, actually, like, I was really in it at the moment, but I didn't think about thing X that was kind of a hole or thing X that, would, like, wasn't actually as good as it could have been. Um, but, like, Undertale, like, the, the more I watch other people play it, the more I think, like, wow, this was well-crafted to give exactly that emotional experience that I, <laughs> that I experienced to, like, most players. Um, and I, you know, it's, it holds, I, I still haven't gone back and played it again because I feel like I can't because a character in the game asked me not to, right? Like that affected me strongly enough, emotionally enough that I didn't go back to it. So, you know, it stuck with me in that way. Yeah. It's, it, it was intentional. Like the design was all very intentional and it hit the mark. Mm-hmm. And Carl, you did yeah. uh, the Beginner's Guide, which appears uh, as sixth place on my list and not on Kelso's list. Yeah. So the reason why I did it was basically like thinking back to like the first time I played it, even before the podcast. Mm -hmm. And like it was just such an. Maybe I was like in the mood for it, but I, it was just such an emotional experience. Mm hmm that I really, really like, and that hits me really, really hard. Yeah, and, and it's... Like, 
Yeah, go Sorry, on. Go. It's definitely like an emotional journey that's not the normal emotional journey you get from games. Yeah. yeah and it's uh, like a really cool, like it's cool walking around like little small shitty games and like <laughs> cool hearing like a story behind them and cool hearing all the like drama goes on behind the scene. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of love about this game that it's like <laughs> you think it's pretentious in one way, and then it turns out it's pretentious in an entirely different way. <laughs> yeah, um, which yeah, is it's kind definitely of great. Pre pretentious. Yeah, it also I I think it's maybe less of a an overlooked idea now that everybody and their dog has made an indie game or has like thought about making an indie game or knows someone who's made an indie game but like for a while i think it was kind of easy to forget that every game is a thing that is made by a person or a group of people mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're looking at you know big triple a titles which is i i mean i'm there are still people who don't really play anything other than big triple a titles probably i i'm assuming yeah <laughs> um, Go so far as says most people only play. Yeah, um, which is weird to think about on its own. I know it's so far from from <laughs> yeah. our own experiences, yeah. but it, it must be true. Yeah, it must be true. Um, yeah, that you know, everything probably started out as someone's passion project, even if it eventually got blown up into a a big old mess, um, or a, a series of big old messes. I, I'm. I'm playing, like, right now I'm playing uh, Assassin's Creed Origin, which I have played the first Assassin's Creed game and none of the other ones until recently when I started playing Origin, which is the one, the Egypt one. And I have no desire to play any other Assassin's Creed game. But, like, <laughs> way back in the day, somebody really wanted to make Assassin's Creed, and now it is the thing that it is now. Uh, yep. And it has had so many hands in it. But at one point, it was just one person's idea. Yep. So. And it's it's cool that, like, I think that's that's still a very necessary lesson. Like, even mm -hmm. though there are a lot more people sort of playing indie games and knowing, you know, knowing the creators behind the things that they play, like, remembering that the person on the other side of this work of art is just a real regular person with their own problems and their own shit to deal with, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's important. And it's a it's a thing that's really easy to forget um, when you're in a fan community and you feel sort of entitled to this story that you love or this thing you care about. Yeah. It's you know you have to remember there is a person or people making this and they have their own lives and you know they deserve to have their own lives just as much as you do. Yeah, yeah. So I think the message of it, the overall message of it, is important. Yeah. All right, so that's it. That's our that's our top ten. I, as I said, I think if we were to crown an overall winner in terms of game that has been that has come up like positively the most often in the most lists, it's got to be Return of the Oberdin. Yep. Um, how many categories did it win? Um, I don't know how many categories it won. Well, I was going to look and see how many it was in. Yeah. It so it won uh, in terms of genre. In, 
most innovative. Most innovative. It got the top score you can possibly get, which yep. I think is so, the only game to get that. Yeah. To get so a most full innovative, line. best mechanics, other, um, best narrative, even with the point change. <laughs> it was one point of best mystery. Okay. Yeah. Very close. Close second on best mystery. Um. Let's see. It. I mean, it was in uh, best moment, which we decided didn't have a certain. It didn't have a particular winner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was on all three of our top tens. Yeah, I would it, say that's a clear winner. Yeah, yeah, definitely a winner. Yeah. Congratulations. So it got. It got uh, like one. Won three categories and was at least second second place in at least one other, and it was in all of our, it was the only game in all of our top ten lists. Yep. So you know, heaps and heaps of praise for that game, but also for like you know I think all of these games that um, that were in the top ten favorites are like really great solid games, except the silver case, and you're both wrong. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like all of these, all of these games have something to offer, right? They have something that you can get really into. Not all of them are, you know, like obviously not all of them are going to be perfect games, um, but they all offer something to really sink your teeth into um, in an interesting way. And I'm, I'm just like so happy that we've played so many cool games that this was a hard choice, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a good it's a good place to be in the like having a ton of stuff to love and having to decide which one you love most. <laughs> yep. Or at least which one you love most right now at this exact moment in time. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> as we said, these fluctuate. I don't honestly I don't even remember which one it was that I bumped off my list this morning. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but there uh, there were, you know, a number of other games that I could easily see myself putting on this list if I had more room or if my mood was slightly different. Um, I have so many fond memories of playing, like, Long Live the Queen with you guys. Um, and, like, there, there were so many, like, weird and cool and unexpected moments in some of these games where, like, even if I didn't, wouldn't have put the whole game on my list... I I was still like blown away at that particular moment in time by just what happened there. <laughs> so it's uh, it was a oh. good. It's been a good five years. And <laughs> I, I will say, like both your top games, both Outer Wilds and Undertale, they are right below my top ten. <laughs> yeah. Even if they didn't yeah. make my list. Yeah, like the beginner's guide, I think was on my list at one point, and I bumped it off. Or, or like the beginner's guide could have been on my list for sure. Yeah, so. yeah, and and outer your two top tens, outer wilds and beginner's guide, both are on my top tens. So yeah, some good games, some good, solid, really wonderful, lovable games, and I'm. A lot of them I'm still playing. A lot of the ones that have like good replay, I'm I'm still going back and doing. And even the ones I'm not, I have like 
very fond memories of and, and recommend to people whenever I can. Yeah, like this, I'm just looking at all the categories on the list and looking at every, you know, looking at all these different games, it's so dangerous because it's like, oh, I kind of want to go back and play Tacoma again. I kind of <laughs> want to go back and play The Beginner's Guide again. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't and I probably won't, but I'm at least thinking about it. Yep. Yeah, it, it makes you want to want to re-experience that that feeling, that uh, that that's into sensation and, and memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other uh, closing remarks about uh, the past hundred games that we've played? It's not exactly a hundred because, like, it's actually slightly more than a hundred because we had yeah. some lost episodes and uh, there were some multiple. Some, yeah, some mm -hmm. episodes where we played multiple games, but it's it's more or less hundred games. Yeah, hundred ish. So that's fine. Uh, so like five yeah. years. Yeah, that's <laughs> like more than fifteen percent of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, been a while. Yeah, here's here's, here's two hundred more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm eager to see. And now we have uh we have like sixteen hundred games in an itch bundle. <laughs> yeah. So we got we got plenty of stuff in the hopper, we got plenty of stuff in the itch bundle, no shortage of things that we are we are looking to play next. Maybe someday eventually we'll improve the audio quality of our recording setup. Maybe not, but you Maybe never not. know. Yeah. <laughs> I think like we've we've got some acoustic foam that like my boyfriend has put some acoustic foam up on his side of the office because he actually records music over there and I think we've still got a couple of extra squares in in the closet that I could put up. Um, nice. But that's about that's about as much effort as I'm going to. Yeah, I'm someday maybe especially if I end up ever going back to streaming again, I may like actually splurge for a snowball mic, yeah. and get get like a decent quality microphone. Yeah, um, I, so I mean, I, I have had my snowball mic for like seven years and it's still kicking, so. Nice. Yeah, yeah no, I'm Perfect. I'm working off of, if you're wondering why my audio always sounds so bad, it's because I'm on a shitty headset mic. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. this this is the podcast we do for ourselves because we love games and we, we like hearing from, from y'all and we like hearing about... Uh, what you think of the games that that we've been playing and we love sharing these experiences with you but also we will keep doing this regardless because we're doing this for us yeah <sighs> all right carl any closing thoughts uh no all right not really other than like our next game yeah so what are we going to be playing next yeah so the next game we're going to be playing is minute which was released in 2018 by why couldn't they have chosen a like name? They, it's released by it's developed by Jan Willem Niemann, Kiri Kallis, Yukio Kallio, and Dominic Johan, which is like a group of people that we have done something about, like. <laughs> Half of Lambeer, we played New Girl Throne. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, Minute, it's a game where you have 60 seconds to live. Yeah, so this will be a real short one. <laughs> this will be 
60 seconds long. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously the game, the entire game is not 60 seconds long, but uh, yeah, I've I've been, this one's, I've sort of had my eye on for a while and uh, I'm excited to try it out. Yeah. And um, this game, I think we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is in the itch bundle, uh, the bundle for racial justice and equality. So and it, I mean, there are several games in here that are on the hopper. So we're gonna yeah. literally get you back could to pay it. you could pay five dollars to just play Minute, and it would be probably worth it from what I know about this game. Um, or you could pay five dollars and get like sixteen hundred games on itch for a nine thousand dollar value. So yeah, just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah Minute is uh, ten ten euros at least, but it's yeah. probably ten dollars on Steam. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just saying, good. you know, you could you can support an important and meaningful cause and also get $9,000 worth of games. Yeah. Um and yeah. Pretty good so value. if you're if you're looking if you're looking for minute just like overall, uh it's not spelled like like minute like 60 seconds, it's spelled M I N I T. Uh minute. Um so yeah, that's find it. Come come play with us uh, over the next couple weeks, and then come and discuss it on our forums, by which I mean our Discord. I keep saying forums. Um, come and discuss it on the uh, the feedback forced uh, Discord, which you can reach at the moment via our Twitter. If for some reason that link is not working because it's expired or whatever, uh, just message uh, our our Twitter. Yeah, Which is, the link is yeah, the link is still good, but the Twitter is uh, at Feedback Force. So you can find us there. We will talk about, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll link the Discord again, but it's it's still up there. Um, yeah, talk about the games that we are playing. And uh, sometimes if I see that things are on sale, I'll tweet about it, things that we have previously played. So that's a thing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kelso Timebomb. Yep. Mostly uh, you shit can... posts. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go for that one gif of a bat taking off that I keep reposting. Yeah. Um, as well as uh, you can find my game, Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, at Wintermore TC. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Gug3. But I feel like... I don't really use Twitter anymore. I just like cool shaders I see. <laughs> so if you want to see a lot of cool shaders, go to Skug's liked posts. Yeah. Can you view other people's liked posts intentionally on Twitter? I know you can on Tumblr. I think you can. I'm I would be surprised if you couldn't. Uh yeah, you can. You go right. to their go to their profile and there's a likes tab. Nice. So, just in case you need you need a pro pro Twitter power user tips. You can look nice. at other people's likes. Cool. Uh, yeah, and that All right. is and, it for uh, now. Yeah, as usual, we'll be back in a couple weeks just talking about games some more, and now we'll, we'll actually be playing games again. Yeah. All right. So get the, get the itch bundle, play some games, and we'll see you in a couple weeks talking about Minute. Yeah, and thanks for listening for five years. Yeah, yeah. much appreciated. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. All right, bye. Bye.